We're going to be looking at seven ways to get your prayers answered. I'm going to preach this morning on seven ways, and I'm going to try to get through all seven, seven of them, Lord willing, and before y'all stone me. I go too long, but I'm going to try to go through seven ways to get your prayers answered. This is going to be how to get your prayers answered. We're going to start in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Everybody wants to be able to reach out to God. Everybody has a desire in their prayer life to reach out to God. And, uh, uh, but when you reach out to God, the first thing you'll notice is that you feel like sometimes He's not reaching back out to you. And you start thinking, well, did he hear me? Is, is, is the prayer going to get answered? And uh, that's the hardest thing about praying. Is it, is, it is definitely something we have to do by faith. But before we get too far into that, let's, let's read the scripture and let's talk about this. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that in him which is in Jesus Christ, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if, we, and if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. John says in, in verse 14, says something very important about prayer. And one of the ways you can get your prayers answered is, He says that this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, now notice, according to His will. The, the prayer, you feel, if you want your prayer answered, you need your prayer to be something He's willing to do. It needs to be something He's willing to do. Sometimes, and we know this as Christians, a lot of times the Lord's will is not our will. If we had our way, uh, there'd be so many people that wouldn't die, so many Christians that wouldn't live and, and, and have cancer. There'd be so many people on this, this, this wall right here, this missionary wall, that wouldn't be dealing with the things they're dealing with. If it was my will. But it's not my will. It's the Lord's will. And if, as we pray, we need to try to get as close to the, uh, the Lord's will as we can. Uh, this... Uh, Archbishop named Trench, he said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. You're not trying to overcome God's reluctance to do something to you, but it's a laying a hold of His highest willingness. What you're, when you're trying to pray, we're not trying to pray and say, God, change what you're doing. We're trying to say, God, let me see why you're doing it. God, let me understand why. You... Now, we pray and we say, Lord, heal this person up. Or, Lord, do something that we want done. But when the Lord doesn't do it, then we need to have the attitude to say, Okay, Lord, if you're not doing it, it's because it's the right thing. And that's a, that's a, that's a humbleness. That's a, that's a, your mind is being humbled down to say, You know, maybe I'm not smart enough to know that they don't need cancer. Maybe they do need cancer. Only the Lord knows, amen. I mean, only the Lord knows. And um, I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters, being a Christian for these years and being around lots of people dealing with lots of different things, if you have multiple good Christians praying over a situation and that situation doesn't change, that's a good way to know that's God's will. You can't get so many Christians, multiple Christians, Christians all over the United States praying about a certain situation. And if that doesn't change, that situation doesn't change, you pretty much know that's God's will. Yeah. Now, it might not be your will. Amen? That might not be what you want. That might not be anything that you want. But that's God's will. And that's hard for a Christian because our will is for everybody to live forever, everybody to live in, in peace. Everybody, but that's not anything God promised us. And I, I've said this a, a million times up here. There's going to be so many of us. We're going to get to heaven and we're going to be up there in heaven. It's going to be the most, I mean, we can't even describe it 
how wonderful it's going to be, and we're, it's going to be so glorious, and we're going to feel so good, and we're going to feel sinless, and the Lord's going to come by, and we're going to say, Lord, this is so wonderful, this is so great, thank you, Lord, thank you. And the Lord's going to look us directly in the eye, and He said, I would have brought you up here sooner, but you kept praying to stay down there. How many uh, of our loved ones that have gone on before us to heaven would we bring back? None. Leave them up there, Lord. I'm going to go up there. Don't bring them back down to this hell hole. I don't want them down here. I want them, I want them up there. An unanswered prayer is an answer. Christians don't like that. The world for sure don't like that. But an unanswered prayer is an answer. And there's two answers you might be getting through that unanswered prayer. You might be getting the answer of, no, I don't want to answer that way. Or, or, or it could be, wait. We don't like waiting, amen. <laughs> now, Lord, now, now. So one of the ways you can get your prayers answers is to make sure you can get as close as you can into the will of the Father. Uh, when we studied the prayer life of Jesus Christ, that's one of the last prayers he prayed was, uh, Heavenly Father, uh, take this cup from me. He knew he was about to be beat, about to be crucified. He knew the, the pain and agony he was about to go through. He knew all this. And he said, Father, uh, take this away from me, but not my will, thy will be done. Amen. So as a son of man, he was being grieved. And, and he had so much grief that his sweat was turning to like blood coming down. He was so grieved over that. But it wasn't, Jesus Christ showed us, it wasn't about what he wanted. Lord, if you're going to put me through this, if it's your will. That's one of the ways to get your prayers answered. Just get within the will of God. Get into the, the will of God. Let's go to the next one. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Go back a couple of pages. Verse 22. 1 John chapter 3 verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Christian, you want your prayers answered? Live a life that pleases Him. Live a life that pleases Him. Now, once you understand what's going on with your Christian life, that you've a born again, as a born-again Christian, you've, something's changed in you. You have became or become a son of God. God no longer is your judge. God no longer is just some pie-in-the-sky idea. God now is your Father, your Heavenly Father. And when you start realizing that, you say, you know, as a son of God, as Him being my Father, I should do those things that please Him. And if I do those things that please Him, He's a whole lot more likely to give me what I'm asking. Amen. It, we understand that in our flesh because we all, had heaven, we all had earthly fathers and we all had to deal with earthly fathers and we know that when you did things that your father was happy with, He would reward you. But no good father is going to give his child something that's not doing what he's supposed to do. No good father is going to give a disobedient unlaw-abiding a child that won't listen to what he says, he's not, he shouldn't re be rewarding that child. Amen. Even though it happens every day in America a million times over. Any child that's acting that way should not be rewarded. So our Heavenly Father, being a good Father, is not necessarily going to give us what we're asking in prayer if we're not pleasing Him. And that's the verse I'm showing you. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Why? Because we keep His commandments. We're doing what He tells us to do. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 
How do you know his commandments? How do you know what his commandments are? Well, a Christian should know the Bible to get to know God's commandments. You want to know how God feels about something? Get in here. You want to know how your Heavenly Father wants you to act? Get into here. You want to know how he feels about something? Get into here. I've had, and I'm not, I'm not going to pick on any sin in particular or anything, but I had so many Christians that will say stuff to me and they'll say, well, that was the Old Testament. or that was, I'll say, you know what? God's, God's still a father. He's still, you can tell what pleases him and what doesn't please him. You can tell what he's pleased with and what he's just putting up with. But we're not talking about getting him to put up with this, Amen. We're talking about to get our prayers answers. We don't want God just to put up with us. We want God to be pleased with us. And that's what we're talking about this morning. You want your prayers answered. You need to be pleasing Him. He's your Father. Do those things that please Him and you'll be like like Joseph. You'll be rewarded. You'll have the coat of many colors. You'll be blessed. You'll be honored. You'll be all these things. But it comes from a a Father that's pleased with you. There's times I've told my son, I said, I want to bless you. I want to do something for you, but you're not letting me do it. You're you're, you're not doing what I want you to do. You're not obeying what I told you to do. And I want to do something for you, but you won't let me do it. Why? Because I know as a good father, if I reward him for doing the bad thing, he's going to keep doing the bad things. How many times has a father said, I want to answer your prayers, but you're not letting me do it. I want to bless you. But you're not letting me bless you because of the way you're living, the way you're conducting yourself. It's not pleasing in my sight. I'm putting up with you, but it's not pleasing. We're talking about getting some prayers answered. Every Christian wants prayers answered. As a young Christian, that was my biggest sin by far. I could, t- I could write down a list that's uh, long as my arm about all the sins I committed and still commit to this day. But one of the biggest sins I committed as a young Christian is I never prayed. I never had a prayer life. I just, it just wasn't something I did. And I was real convicted about that. And I thought, you know, I need to start praying. I need to start, I need to start praying. But I didn't know how to pray. You know, I just knew how to pray like I heard preachers pray out, you know. But it just sounds very ceremonial. It tends to be. It's not, you're not reaching out to God very. So one day I said, you know what I'm going to do? I had been reading my Bible. I said, I'm going to fast all day long. And then I'm going to go home at lunch, on my lunch break, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pray. So I, I fasted all day. I fasted from the night before, like a whole day. Come back up. It's like lunchtime. And back, I mean, I was dying, man. I mean, back then, if I went two hours without eating, I was about to die. And I, oh, I was miserable. And I remember getting in the house. I was all by myself. And I remember sitting on this little love seat I had. And I sit down on that love seat. And I started to pray, and I felt the presence of God come into that house, or the presence of something, I don't know what it was, and I literally almost ran out the front door. I couldn't take it. And that was my first experience with really getting serious about prayer. When you get really serious about prayer, and really get serious about trying to reach out to God and get something answered, you'll feel the presence of God come in there. There's something there. I'm not saying it's every time I'm not trying to get to where, uh, I'm trying to give you some kind of feeling or emotion. I'm just telling you there's times where the Holy Spirit definitely moves and you're like, whoa, something, something's going on here. Uh, Brother Packer, the preacher that I was under for years and years and years, he was in the Korean War and he told me the story that he was in that one of these little huts out there. They had kind of turned into like a little mini church and they had like a, a prayer altar, a lot like this prayer altar. And he said he went in there and he would pray and pray. He said, one time I was in there, Keegan, he said, I was in there praying and I was so earnest about my prayer and I heard somebody come walking up just 
on this old, uh, old floor. He says like a wooden floor. You could hear him walk up. And they walked up, and they stood right beside me. And he goes, and I was praying so earnestly. And he goes, they stood right beside me. He said, they stood there. And he said, I moved over while I was praying. And I looked up, and nobody was there. I said, what'd you do, Brother Packer? He goes, I'm not stupid, son. I ran. <laughs> I took off out of there, you know. I've been, in a, I've been in a person's house, and this is a true story too, of course. I've been in a person's house where I was praying. They wanted me to pray over this uh, lady that was about to have surgery. The whole family was around. And there was nobody else around. Everybody was around like this. And, and the la- they put the lady out in the middle of the uh, living room floor and put her in a chair and said, well, let's pray over her. She's about to have this major surgery. And I put my hands on her, on her back, and bowed my head and started praying. And something started messing with the back of my neck almost instantly. Just gave me the willies. I couldn't stop praying quick enough. It startled me. There was nobody around, but something was just playing with the back of my neck. Don't ever forget the spiritual side of things. We as Christians are living in this world and we're living in the flesh and we forget there's a spiritual side of things. When you, I've said this before. When you turn on the TV and you see this wickedness and the evil and you say, man, how can... It's the devil. It's an unclean spirit. It's what you would call a demon working in men and women's lives. And when you get to praying and you're spiritually through the Holy Spirit trying to reach out to your Heavenly Father in a spiritual sense, don't ever forget the spiritual side of things. Don't, don't be surprised in the spiritual thigh, side of things that can happen in your life. You know, we live a life to please Him. We try to live a life to please the Lord. And every morning as we pray should be a new day and a new day and a new refreshing day just to get up and say, Lord, how can I please you today? You didn't please Him yesterday. You might not have pleased him for a whole month. But with the Lord, that's what makes our God so wonderful is uh, there's new mercies every morning. And there's, new, there's a renewing every morning. When that sun comes up, you get up, you can say, Lord, I know I didn't do good yesterday. I was awful. I, 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 you know, you, I don't know how you even put up with me. But Father, today, to the best of my ability, I'm going to try to please you. Amen. See, that's the kind of Christian that the Lord's going to be pleased with and also going to be willing to answer some prayers for you. 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's look at another one of these. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We've had a lot of incredible prayers answered at this church in so many different ways. And, uh, you know, Sister Carolyn, she's moved on. She moved up there to, where'd she move up to? Paradise. And we were talking the other day about the well that got made here. And we had to put in a new water well and everything that was going on with that situation, and I was talking to her about it, and uh, we, we was just kind of uh, talking about the Lord and how the Lord brought in the money and all the stuff that happened, and, 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 and basically I said, well, why am I telling you? You were there. She goes, Brother Keegan, I was there. I, I saw every second of it. I saw every minute of it. It's a miracle. And to us, that was a miracle. Well, that was prayer. That was prayer where God was moving. First, for, amen. First Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 7. Okay, guys, this is where your wives are probably going to nudge you with their elbow, but just take it like a real man. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Husbands, you want your prayers answered? You need to treat your wife better. It's just that simple. What's interesting about this is what's not said. It doesn't say the wife needs to treat her husband better. I guess the wife can just do whatever she wants to her husband. The Lord's still going to answer the prayer because she has to put up with her husband, I guess. But the, the, the point is, is it's about a husband, and it's about how you need to treat your wife 
Husbands, if you'll treat your wife right, the Lord will take care of you in prayer. If you don't, if you're mistreating your wife, if you're not honoring your wife, if you're not living with your wife in grace and living with your wife as heirs together, end of verse 7, heirs together, you're not lording it over her. Amen. The Bible says that the husband's put as ahead of the wife, but he's not supposed to, he, we're not lording it over her. We're heirs together, right? We're in this together. But there can only be one chief. See, now the husbands can to the wife with the elbow. I'm just joking. But the point is, is we're heirs together. If you'll live the kind of life the Lord wants you to live in your, in your marriage, the Lord will answer your prayers. Because if not, the, 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 what it says there is it says that your prayers be not hindered. If you're a husband and you're mistreating your wife, the Lord's just going to be hindering your prayers. Your prayers aren't going to get answered. There's things that you're not going to have the power you should have through the Holy Spirit in your prayer life. Now, how do I generalize this? How do you apply this as a Christian if you're out there and you're not married or you're out there and you're, and, and you're a wife or whatever the situation is? Well, what it is is that you're supposed to treat those that are under you, anybody that tends to be under you or there, it's in the family, you're supposed to treat them with honor and grace. And what I mean by that is if you've got a boss that treats his co-workers like horrible, treats them like dogs, the Lord's not going to answer a prayer of that guy. He should be showing grace. He should be showing honor. He should be doing those right things. And there's one right there that could be hindering, could be hindering your prayer life. And it's a, it's a, it's a quick way to get your prayer answered to say, you know what, I'm going to start treating my wife better, start treating her with honor, with dignity, with respect. I don't think there's very many Christians that need to know that this is true. But so many men are bad about this. They don't respect their wives like they should and honor them. It's a, it's, the Bible says a, a wife is something that the Lord gives you, and that's, it's a blessing to have a wife. That's what the Bible teaches. It's, it's an honor to have a wife. It's a blessing to have a wife. And uh, what, what's the old saying? Behind every good man is, is a great woman. Behind every great man is a great woman. Uh, there's a lot, and I, I'll be the first to admit, there's a lot of things in my life I can't do in a ministry without a wife that supports me and helps me and is there with me through it. Uh, husbands, treat your wife right. Let's move on because it's getting quiet in here. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 2. Let's look at another one of these. James chapter 4, verse 2. This is the fourth one. This is the fourth one we're going to look at this morning. James says, Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet you have not, at the end of verse 2, you have not because you ask not. Now, that's a pretty simple one, but it's pretty profound. You simply need to ask. <laughs> you simply need to ask. How many, times we, how many times could we have had the Lord help us, but instead of going to the Lord, we went to Visa and MasterCard? Any medicine you're taking, any kind of pills you're taking, anytime you're, you're relying on, on medicine, there always should be prayer in that prescription. In other words, if I go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you're having this kind of illness and you need to start taking this medicine, okay, I give the glory to God for giving him the wisdom and giving man the wisdom to create that medicine. Amen. But secondly, I say, okay, I'll, I'll take that medicine if you think it'll help me out and help this old wicked flesh live a little bit longer. But I'm going to add prayer to that. It's going to have prayer added to it. But prayer should be first. I, anytime I have anything going on in my life, I always pray before I go to the doctor. 
And I don't go to the doctor a lot, praise the Lord. But I, I try to pray and say, Lord, heal me up. And I know this sounds completely crazy to some of y'all, but I really feel like the Lord's healed me up of a toothache before. <laughs> Woke up, worst time of my life, had a, I prayed, Lord, I can't take this. Lord, please take this toothache away from me. I had something going on, I think church thing going on. Boom, it just disappeared. And to this day, I think, Lord, thank you for taking away that toothache. And people say, that's crazy. Lord, it, yeah, I believe that. I really do believe that. But you know what? I asked, and, he, and I didn't have it anymore. See how it's a simple ask. Sometimes you're not getting prayers answered because you're just not asking. You know, uh, I was reading this story about this little girl, and she went up and to her dad, and she said, I, I want a nickel, I want a nickel, I want a nickel. And she was, you know, I want a nickel. And her dad says, oh, okay, I'll, here. And he pulls out a $5 bill, and she starts crying, I don't want a $5, I want a nickel. And we've all had kids, we know what that's like. They don't comprehend that you're giving them something that's a hundred times better than what they're asking. And they want something really simple. And sometimes we ask God for things, and God's like, you don't know, I've got something a hundred times better for you over here. I don't want that. And we start crying and pouting, and God didn't answer my prayer. God didn't do it my way. Let me tell you something, guys, and I've tried to be really honest with you. If I was to pick a church that I wanted to pastor, if I said, oh, Lord, let me pray. pray, Lord, give me a church to pastor. The last church on my list, because I didn't even know existed, would have been Ending Gap Baptist Church. Yes, Lord, I want to drive 40 minutes, 45 minutes one way. Yeah, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, I want to get out there. I can't wait. I mean, if the Lord would have told me, I'm going to put you out of Indian Gap for 13 years, I'd have just, <laughs> just started crying, you know. No, Lord, don't do that. What did I, I do to make you hate me, Lord? <laughs> you got to understand where my thought process was at the beginning of all of this. But now that I've been out here, I wouldn't be anywhere else. The Lord says, I got something 100 times better for you. Yeah, the Lord's good, man. I didn't see it. I couldn't have seen it. I'm stupid. I'm ignorant. I don't, I'm like a little kid. I want the nickel. I want the nickel, Lord. The Lord's like, I got something a hundred times better. Just shut up and come on. You know? But we, we don't want we to listen to the We're like little kids. Amen. And we don't, even, we don't even know how to ask sometimes. Amen. We're so sinful. We're so ignorant. We don't even know how, what to even ask for. And that goes back to something else about prayer. Sometimes the best way to pray is not to say a word. It's in the heart. Uh, uh, let's see. I got this little saying here I found. The best prayers have often more groans than words. The best prayers have often more groans than words. In prayer it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. So I've, I've heard people pray and pray and pray out loud, and I'm thinking, man, they, they don't even have a heart for what they're saying. Then I've heard somebody say just a few words, but their heart so much into it, you could just feel they reach out touching God. And God was listening. You just could tell. And it's all about your heart, your condition of your heart, where you're, how you're praying and where you're praying. And you just simply need to ask. Look, look at the very, we're in, we're in James chapter 4, verse 2. Look at the very next verse. Look at the very next verse. Ye ask, okay, so you've asked, you've prayed, and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. 
So you're asking for something, and the reason why you're not getting it is because you're asking for it in a selfish way. So if you want to get your prayer answered, don't ask for selfish things. It's just that simple. Don't ask for selfish things. And we tend to do that, guys. In our prayer life, we tend to, tend to focus on the inward. We focus on ourselves. We, we, be, we get to be real self-centered. And if there's anything about this world that's an abomination to God, because Jesus Christ said anything that's highly esteemed among men is abomination to God. So what's a st- highly esteemed among men? It's, human, it's humanism. It's, it's me. It's about me. It's all about me. I know I can. I know I can. I think I can. I think I can. It's all about me. It's that self-centered. You're the center of the universe. That's why people around this world are so crazy and nutty and everybody's losing their manners. You go into Walmart and you have a, you have a shopping cart in Walmart and you'd be lucky if somebody doesn't run you over. Nobody stops. Nobody, these people are just so self-centered. It's all about, I got to get here and, I gotta, and I'm the most important thing in the world. As Christians, we need not to pray asking for selfish things, trying to get something to consume it on our lust. I think some Christians honestly can't, can pray and pray for a good quality new car, but God won't give it to them because he knows that they won't show up to church on a regular basis. So he keeps them in a, in a rundown piece of junk that he knows they can't leave more than 20, 20 miles from where they live. We need to be praying for others and their needs. The Lord will bless you for it. If you can learn to pray for other people, the Lord will take care of you. If you'll learn to pray for other people, the Lord will see what you need and give that to you. If you can learn to say, you know, I'm not that important, but this poor old uh, person over here, they need, it. they need a new car. They, they could really use some new clothes. You can learn to pray that way and stop thinking about yourself and stop being so selfish and start praying outwardly instead of trying to pray inwardly. It'll be profound to you. The best way to stay out of a hospital, listen to me, you listen to anything I say this morning, listen to this. The best way to stay out of a hospital is to go visit people in a hospital. The best way to stay out of a hospital is be the one that goes and visits people in a hospital. What I mean by that is when you're doing something for the Lord, the Lord will bless you and take care of you so you can keep doing it. Care for others and the Lord will care for you. Deny thyself, pick up thy cross, follow me. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus Christ's commandment to us that we don't, none of us like is deny thyself. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. You pray for others. You take care of others. The Lord God will take care of you. And I, I'm thankful that he's like that. I'm very, very thankful that he's like that. But we tend to be selfish in our prayers. I was reading about this, little, <laughs> this young boy. He was at the church and he was a young boy. He's like eight, nine years old, and he was at the prayer altar, and the preacher heard him, and he was just fervent, fervent in prayer. He just kept on praying and kept on praying, and the preacher was listening to him, and all of a sudden he heard that boy say, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. And the pastor was kind of confused, and then he heard that word just, and then he could, oh, he heard him, this the boy would just audibly, he could hear it from across the church say, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. <laughs> That boy got up and the preacher went over and said, Son, I'm so proud of you to be so fervent in prayer and to be so serious about prayer. He goes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm in geography class. And we have a test coming up. And we're testing all the capitals. And I'm telling the Lord, make, make the, uh, the capital of France Tokyo. 
Make the capital of France Tokyo. <laughs> See, that goes back to two things. It's not in God's will, and it's pretty selfish. Not in God's will, and it's pretty selfish. What's funny about kids is we learn a lot about ourselves. And when I look at a kid, there's a, I don't know how many times, guys, I've been watching kids and been around kids and see how they act and everything, and the Lord will speak to my heart and say, that's you. That's how you act to me. And I'll be like, oh, man, I'm stupid. And then I see a kid, and you have such faith, and you have such love. And I think, Lord, that's how I feel toward you. I'm, I'm stupid. I do stupid things. I don't know what's going on, Lord, but I do love you. I do trust in you, and you're the only father I have. Take care of me. Take care of me, Lord. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This is the sixth one. Seven, I'm going through seven different ways you can get your prayers answered. Seven different ways you can get your prayers answered. This is the sixth one. Number, uh, verse 6, uh, James chapter 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that the, he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you pray, you want your prayers answered, you've got to pray believing the Lord is listening and can answer. I know this is another simple one. It's very simple. Just pray believing that the Lord's listening and can answer. Like I talked about earlier a little bit, prayer, in, prayer is faith in action. Because there's nothing that shows more faith than to get down on your knees and talk to some invisible person that you don't, that's not answering you back. And you're trying to pour your heart out and you're talking audibly and you, you're, you're talking to the Lord. And you, you, but you, you're believing by faith that He can hear you. Because he's not audibly talking back to you. And like I said, not every time I get in the prayer closet, not every time do I feel the presence of the Lord come in there. Even though there have been some times like that. So it's very, it takes a lot of faith. And it's faith in action to be praying. So if you want to pray and really get your prayers answered, don't be double-minded. You've got to pray in faith. You've got to reach out and touch God with faith. Without, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when you pray, it'll, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, if you're a young Christian, I guarantee you, you're not going to feel like it's going anywhere. You're going to pray sometimes, you're going to feel like your prayers are going to boink and bounce right back on you. And you've got to keep on praying in faith. Lord, I know you can hear me. I'm not getting an answer. But I'm going to keep on praying. Because I have faith to believe you're listening to me. And I'm not going to be double-minded, Lord. That's what it warns you about, being double-minded. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I'm not going to get up and think, I wonder if he heard me pray. No, don't do that. Don't do that. When you get down, believe. He can hear you pray. I don't care if you feel like the prayers are coming back and bouncing right back on top of your head off the ceiling. Get back up and say, I know the Lord heard me. And there must be a reason why I'm not feeling like he's hearing me. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Am I trying to ask for something selfish? Am, 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 I, am I doing something that's, not, that's against His will? Is my life not pleasing to Him? You know, these are questions we need to ask ourselves. We don't get up asking ourselves, is there a God? 
God forbid we'd do that. We don't get up saying, oh, well, I guess there's no God. We don't say that as Christians. No, amen, we don't. We get up and we say, okay, Lord, I know you're there. I know you can hear me praying. Why do I feel like you're not hearing me pray? What does that mean? We've got to go and look in the mirror, brothers and sisters, and say, what's going on in my life that's not pleasing to my Heavenly Father? Why can He not bless me? Why do I feel like He's not answering my prayers? When you get so right with the Lord, you can pray for some of the most earnest stuff you have going on in your life, and you'll get off of your knees when you're right with the Lord, and you'll say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And you can have some of the people that you love dearest to you pass away and go on to be with Him, and you'll say, well, praise the Lord, at least they're in a better place. Amen. We don't question God. We're not unstable. Don't be unstable. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavers like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. The Lord doesn't want you doubting him. The Lord doesn't want you questioning. The Lord wants you questioning, his, uh, questioning him as, as, a, as a father and as doing the right thing. Just get up and say, Lord, I, just, I, I have to admit there's something not right and it's not you, Lord, it's me. If in doubt, blame yourself. That goes over real good. <laughs> Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Last one, I promise. Last one. Isaiah 59. I'll tell you one more way you, uh, you can get your prayer answered. Isaiah 59. Now, I'm going to show you a couple of verses here, and then we'll talk about it. You know, I, I like reading about prayer. I like to find out the prayer life of people. They said that back in the days when, uh, when the United States was first being formed, that they went into, somebody went into Congress. And, of course, this is back before the Internet before pictures, nobody knew what Washington looked like. You know, you might have lived and heard about Washington, George Washington, but who is George Washington? You had no way of knowing what he looked like. And they went in there, and they went into Congress, and the guy said to the man, he said, uh, which one's Washington? And the man that was with him said, he'll be the one that when they pray, he's the one that gets on his knees. He's the one that gets on his knees. That might explain why George Washington was the founder of this country. Amen, amen, amen. There's power in prayer, guys. There's real, real power in prayer. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. He wants to save you. If you're a sinner and you call out to God, wanting to be saved through, through Jesus Christ, the Lord will save you. Don't you worry about that. But we're talking about prayers that have to do with getting things answered. We're asking the Lord for stuff. There's stuff we won't answer. But look at verse 2. But, the big but, the worst word in the English language. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. One of the seven ways, and it's the most important way. And this really sums it all up. But we're, we're, this is number seven, but really this sums everything else up. It might be sin in your life. There's some sin in your life that's keeping God from answering a prayer for you. And that verse right there is a very sobering and humbling verse saying, you know, you can, yeah, you can keep sinning. You can keep living in sin. You can do what you want to do. But it doesn't mean the Lord has to answer your prayers. I've gotten, uh, I, of course, I was raised in a single family with my mom, and I remember I made my mom so mad, I'd go in there and I'd be asking her something, she wouldn't even talk to me. 
She wouldn't even acknowledge I existed. That was a bad feeling. To get your mom so mad at you that she didn't even want to yell at you, scream at you, she just ignored you. That, that, that's, that's very, very humbling. I mean, it was like, it shocked me as a young kid that I could get my mom so mad at me that she stopped yelling at me. Now she just totally ignored me. That's what you're reading right there. Look at, look at Psalm 66. The Lord can get fed up with you, Christian, and uh, we need to be careful with the, with the sin in our life, and, and we need to deal with it. We need to ask the Lord to forgive us. And one of the main reasons is so we can keep fellowship with Him in prayer. Isaiah 6, I mean, excuse me, Psalms 66, verse 18. And this is the last one, last one we're turning to, and we'll close it. I'll show you one more. Psalms chapter 66, verse 18. We just need to repent of the sin in our life. If I, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You need to clean up your life. You need to clean up your life so the Lord can bless you. Like I said, the Lord wants to bless you so bad. He's like a father that wants to bless his son, but you can't bless a disobedient child. You're going to make a spoiled child that never learns a lesson. No father, no good father should reward a child who is disobedient. If that's the main theme of this sermon, that's the main theme. You're a child. God's a father. You need to obey him so he can bless you. You know, in closing, I want to tell this one story of a man that had a son that kept disobeying him, kept disobeying him. You know, the son was a lot like me growing up, just, just, a, just a moron. The son was just disobedient and a little, you know, young child, young, little young boy. And uh, the, the dad told the son, if you do that one more time, I'm going to make you sleep down in the basement. Now, that child was definitely afraid of that basement. The basement was dark and damp, and the child just was, that was a way to scare the child, and the dad knew it. Well, the child being the child, he just ignored his dad because he didn't believe his dad would do it, and the child went ahead and did what he did. And the dad was thinking about not making him go down in the basement and sleep, and the mom said, you can't do that. If you don't make him go down in that basement like you said, he's never going to believe a word you say from that. He's not going to have any respect for you. You've got to do what you promised. You, you told him if he did it, he's going down in the basement. So that poor child, he went down into the basement, he took his pillow and he, he took him a mat and he went down in the basement and he sat down in the basement and he was down there by himself for a little while and he laid out his mat and it was dark down in there and he was really scared. And the mother said to the father, you can't let him out of that basement. And the father could hear his son down there weeping. And about that time, the son was laying down and he's scared and he saw the door of the basement open up and here comes the dad with a pillow under his arm. And he laid down with his child. He took the child and brought him close to him. And they spent the night together. That's our God. He can't let us out of what we've done. So he came down to help us get through it. We have a good father. And we, we don't have a father that's going to let us get away with it. But he'll be there with you while you're going through it. Amen. And I thank him for it. Amen. I'm going to read this little poem in closing. Last night I took a journey 
to a land across the seas. I did not go by boat or plane. I traveled on my knees. I saw so many people there in deepest depths of sin. But Jesus told me I should go, that there were souls to win. But I said, Jesus, I cannot go and work with such as these. He answered quickly, yes, you can, by traveling on your knees. He said, you pray, I'll meet the need. You call, and I will hear. Be concerned about lost souls of those both far and near. And so I tried it, knelt in prayer, gave up some hours of ease. I felt the Lord right by my side while traveling on my knees. As I prayed on and saw souls saved and twisted bodies healed and saw God's workers strengthened, renewed while laboring on the field. I said, yes, Lord, I have a job. My desire, thy will to please, I can go and heed thy call by traveling on my knees. Whatever you do, brothers and sisters, it don't matter if you feel like the Lord's not listening to your prayer, you just pray. You keep on praying. You keep on keeping on. You keep on knocking. You keep on praying. And the Lord will reveal it to you, what you got going on that's keeping you from getting prayers answered. But no matter what, you keep trying to reach out. You keep trying to touch God with your hand of faith, and you'll get some results. Amen. You'll get some results because God rewards those that seek Him, that knock with an earnest and a humble heart. The Heavenly Father, Lord, you know we're just sinners. Father, we're not even worthy to be called your children, Lord, but you're so good. You're willing, us, willing for us to be adopted into your family through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Father, you know we're not worthy. And Lord, you know that our prayer lives, Lord God, they stink. Lord, they just, we don't pray enough. We don't think about praying enough, Lord God. We just throw up a couple of prayers to you, Father, and get up, Lord, and that should be the most important thing we do for you, Lord, just trying to have fellowship with you and communion. And Lord, sometimes, Lord, when we pray, Father, forgive us for not just thanking you for the prayers you have answered. Lord, thank you for not having bad things happen to us, Lord. They do, Lord. And Father, you know, as we, we come into this church every Wednesday night and on Sunday, Lord God, we see these people we know, we personally know and love having to deal with cancer and having to deal with all the different things they have going on in their life. Father, we don't understand it. But Lord, we know you do and we trust you have all knowledge, Lord God. And just like Peter told Jesus, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. And Father, we just pray that you'll give us wisdom. Help us to understand, Lord God. And if there's something keeping you from answering a prayer in our life, Father, we just pray that you would reveal it to us right now in our heart, Lord God. And if somebody underneath the sound of my voice has never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, when we give the invitation, I'm praying they'll come on down here and get saved. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him